When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Welcome back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and Rod, we have some news uh, coming in today in the transfer portal. Uh, Rocket Watts has entered his name. Um, and maybe not uh, so surprisingly, um, but he had some, you know, really nice things to say about the tutors and the trainers and um, every, you know, one who's been a part of Michigan State in uh, his two years there, um, but felt that he... Uh, after, and maybe this is a little strange wording, but negotiating uh, a decision with his family, he's decided to go elsewhere. And, yeah, and maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I um, just never heard it phrased like that before. <laughs> well, but I, but I think, I think that I, that that might what that suggests might actually be close to the truth. I don't mean a, a financial negotiation, but you have to remember if you go back to when Rock and I think we talked about this recently, maybe even in our season ender. Um, if you go back to when rocket committed, so he committed in the fall of what was it? 18 mm-hmm. in fall of 18. And then he didn't sign in the early signing period, even though he committed like two months before that, he didn't commit. I remember at the time feeling pretty certain that he wasn't going to end up at Michigan state. I had been surprised by it to begin with. Um, I'd been surprised by it because I had heard a little bit about what was um, around him. And again, I'm not, I'm not talking about anything in terms of impropriety. Mm. I just mean the way that certain family members um, were oriented in this thing. And, and I also wondered about the fit with Tom Izzo. Now, as it turns out, at least partially that second part was, was never a problem. I think, um, the, the universal consensus seems to be, he was a great teammate. Izzo loved him. Um, and, uh, you know, so that part of it was never an issue. I think some of his style and fit with Michigan state did in the end, end up being a problem. But, but anyway, I digress. Mm -hmm. Going back to when the um, when that whole deal with the commitment went down again, because I I knew that there were elements in his family who were not really supportive of the idea of his going to Michigan State. Uh, I didn't expect him to sign, and then he did. He ended up signing in the spring. So, okay, and then he had 
what I think most of us would conclude was a reasonably successful freshman season, particularly the way it ended was great. Yeah. You know, almost 18 points a game in their last four, which they needed to win to grab a share of the big 10 title. And they did it. And it was his emergence as much as anything that I think had people believing, you know, before COVID shut everything down, that Michigan state was as good a pick as any to win the whole thing. If the tournament had happened, um, and then you have this year, of course, with all the troubles, which we can, we can go through. Um, so I, I think what happened, my understanding is those voices that had initially been hesitant about his coming to Michigan State, of course, now had all the ammo in the world mm-hmm. they could ever ask for. And I think I think that's what he means. That's my assumption. <laughs> so it may sound strange, but I, I think I get what he's talking about i for the record i don't my understanding is i don't think the kid really wants to leave michigan state um i think that and by that i don't mean that he doesn't see that there may be some perfectly rational basketball reasons to do so because there are Mm -hmm. but um I, i my understanding is he is still a huge fan of Tom Izzo. He loves the program. He doesn't really in his heart want to leave. But I think there's a recognition on all parts. I don't think I don't think Tom Izzo is infuriated by this either. I think um, I think he understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I would guess my assumption is that he can see I, I think he probably believes that there's always a way to find Rockets game, yeah. And this, I also think he probably realizes that for everybody's sake, it might be better if he starts over somewhere else. Now, the word seems to be—I don't know whether you saw this. I'm sure some of our listeners did. Apparently, someone from his family—and I don't need to go very far to guess who that is—made um, contact with Louisville's program already, like before this was announced. And yeah. Louisville told him, "Hey, we can't do anything until he's in the portal." Um, so, and Louisville was heavy in his recruitment initially. Mm-hmm. It was Louisville, Florida state, Michigan state might've been one other, one or two others that were heavy in it. Um, Michigan really wasn't that heavy in it. As I remember, um, he wasn't really, you know, John Beeline didn't feel like there was a fit there. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I would not be surprised at all to see him end up at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And Louisville's going through a lot of changes. I mean, a lot of changes. Coaching staff, players leaving and coming in. Oh, Florida, Florida State would be the other place I would think about. But Florida State's actually already got another transfer, already committed. A guy, Caleb Mills, who was Houston's best player coming into the season, who transferred in, in December or January, mm-hmm. uh, sitting out. So I don't know that, that Florida State would have the room, but I think either of those places would make sense. I also kind of, in my mind's eye, I I wonder about Alabama. I mean, Alabama, the, the system that Nate Oates plays, you know, kind of a don't think, just shoot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it might, it, I, I haven't heard that, but it might make, it might make some sense as well. Mm. Uh, so maybe keep an eye on that. But I, I would kind of right now, if I had to pick where he ends up, it would be Louisville. Mm. It's in kind of an obvious uh, choice at this stage. So where do you think, I mean, was the initial decision maybe to offer 
you know, based on his size and him not really being a point guard, I mean, was the plan to always sort of try to transition him to point guard, do you think? Um, I don't think full time because, you know, you look at what Michigan State did last summer. If you remember, we spent some time talking about Carlick Jones, who ironically ended up at Louisville. Yeah. As a great transfer. <laughs> tried to get in on that one. Uh, Karim Manet was the real serious one where they went, you know, mm-hmm. till whenever it was August when they finally had to make the call and he announced that he was, uh, he was staying in the draft. Um, so I don't think it was ever that, that MSU thought, well, he is the point guard, <clears throat> but I think that they figured he could develop into that. And I understand it because if you look at his game in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways, how different is he really than a Kalen Lucas or a Keith Appling? Those guys were both big time scorers in high school too. Mm. And that was their mentality. And they transitioned to being, I'd call them lead guards more than point guards. Cause neither one of them was ever a pure, you know, pass first, run the offense, make plays for others kind of guy. They were guys who looked to score a lot, but they both also transitioned into that role much more successfully than rocket ever was able to. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm guessing that was part of it from Michigan State's perspective, that they thought they could help him become more effective than he was. Look, I, I didn't get any sense, even after they struck out with those guys this past offseason, that there was panic. Mm-hmm. I think they thought, well, Rock's going to be okay. You know, you always expect bumps in the road, but nobody, nobody on the planet saw this season coming for him. I mean, Rocket Watts... His numbers from an efficiency perspective for a guy who plays major minutes are as bad as you can find over years and years from a major program. I mean, they really are. And, you know, you saw you don't even need me to tell you that if you watched this season. You kind of mm. know how much he struggled. And, and nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw the shooting not only not improving over his freshman season but getting worse as a, as a jump shooter. Um, I never would have expected that. I thought he'd be a mid thirties guy, kind of how, how he was in the, down the stretch of his freshman season yeah. instead of backward, you know, 25% is what he ended up from three. And, and here's another damning number. He was, even with his struggles from three last year, he was still 50% as a two point shooter. Um, this year he was 38% on twos. You can't yeah. survive. I mean, if you're going to shoot 25% from three, you better be a 50% shooter <laughs> from twos and take a lot of twos and maybe get to the foul line a lot too. Something else he really didn't do very much of. One and a half free throw attempts per game. That just that, that stuff is just not going to cut it. Um, so anyway, that's a long-winded way of answering your question. I, I think that they had a plan, and it wasn't crazy at all. But it just hasn't worked. And I would expect going forward, wherever he lands, they're not going to try and burden him with being on the ball much. They're just going to ask him to go score and go check. Three and D. That's that's going to kind of be it. So this and him entering the transfer portal really opens up. It opens it up for Walker. Right. That's now 
that's now a done deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, assuming the, the one caveat to that is we don't have an official announcement by Aaron Henry mm-hmm. yet, but, but he's going pro. I mean, there's just, there's no way that's not happening. So I think this takes care of the Walker spot. Yes. So now you have the three departing players, Hoiberg, which was the empty scholarship that he took for this year. He's leaving. Uh, Josh has indicated he's not coming back. And then you figure Aaron Henry's going to the pros that takes care of the three incoming freshmen. And then now you have your fourth for Walker with, with Watts departing. Mm -hmm. The question is going to be, are there other departures coming from Michigan state? Um, and that's, that's what remains to be seen. I, I, I will tell you this, anybody who thought that there was going to be a mass exodus of players, like five guys or something like we've seen from some of these programs, mm. that's not happening, which is, I mean, I, I can tell you at a certain point in the season, I might not have been surprised by that. Um, but it's clearly not happening. I think I mentioned in our last episode that from what I was hearing, you know, Malik call was maybe a possibility. Well, that seems to have changed pretty definitively. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of confidence that Julius marble is going to be a Michigan state player going forward. I've heard nothing about Marcus Bainham to the surprise of, I guess, a handful of people who only see Michigan state once a year and get rattled by Tom Izzo yelling at somebody. Um, I've heard nothing about Gabe Brown uh, leaving. So I I think that those guys are probably going to be around. Mm. That's, that seems to be a pretty safe bet at this point. Um, As I say, the question is, does it open up any further? And and as we talked about, there are, there are a couple of guys, um, foster lawyer and Thomas Kithier for, for different reasons um, might not be back. Um, that's my understanding, but that is still, you know, yet to be fully resolved. Mm. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think obviously if you want to add Namani Bates, you need one more than what they've got currently. If you want to add an Imani Bates and a transfer, you need two more, uh, another transfer, I should say, in addition to Walker, um, that would be my preference. If I, if it was me kind of playing general manager, a position that doesn't exist in college <laughs> basketball, that would be what I would be angling for. I would, I would want to add, um, if one's available that you like, there's always that caveat. Uh, I would want to add probably a post player that I had some confidence in as a, as a true post up option. Mm. I would, I would want to maybe add that. Although again, with the way things are shaken out, I don't know if that's going to be attractive to anybody worth taking because if Marble and Bingham and Sissoko are all back, that's three guys for that spot. And I don't know that you'll convince somebody else. And if Hall and Hauser are both back, well, there's your four spot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough scenario because I think they need it. I think they need somebody who can give them post offense. I'm not sure that I have faith in the current roster, you know, other than Marble, who's got to get better in a lot of other ways. If he's going to continue, if he's going to play winning basketball for you, I know he can score on the blocks, but he's, he's got to improve. So 
I don't know. Is it also- totally unreasonable to think that Bingham? I mean, you'd think he would have some sort of like hook, like maybe a, some sort of jump hook or a few more I, tricks in the bag. Um, here's the thing, man. He's a skilled guy. Got, for, for that to be effective, though, you've got to be able to carve out and hold right. position on the blocks, even for that. You know, Marble can do that because he's just strong enough. You know, it's it's not always about height when it comes to that. In fact, it's rarely about height. It's about your ability to carve out that position and get to your spot. I mean, yeah. Aaron Henry was 6'6", and Aaron Henry was able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where Marcus is lacking. It, I'm, I'm bullish on Marcus Bainham going into next season. We talked about it in the, the yeah. post-season review. I think the, the one, other than just making the tournament, the one silver lining to this season is that I, I think Marcus Bingham finally began to really turn the corner Mm. and I I have high expectations for him, but not that way. Yeah. I would be very surprised and very pleasantly surprised if he became a legitimate low post option. I think what you get from him is defense, effective rebounding, and then scoring just, you know, on putbacks or running the floor or, you know, just being seven feet and kind of being an option of a guy you can throw it up to occasionally, he's going to be able to put it in the back in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that I would look at um, from uh, from Marcus Bingham. I wouldn't look at him as a post option. So to me, it's got to come from elsewhere. Is that is Marble get better enough? Does Sissoko get better enough over the off season? He showed flashes of it, but man, he's raw. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Hauser figure it out. Does Malik call? Maybe do it. They've got guys who maybe could do that, but I just, I got to see more of it than Michigan State had this season. Mm. Or, or here's the other option. This is something else to think about. Um, I don't know whether I mentioned it in our podcast in, re- in regard to Tyson Walker, but um, he, at some point I saw the stat posted that per synergy, he was 13th in the nation in points scored off of pick and rolls. Uh-huh. That is something Michigan state did not have at all this season. You know, it was one of the main reasons rocket struggled, right? He wasn't able to effectively run Michigan state's pick and roll game and do anything with it mm-hmm. other than against Michigan. That was really the one game where it worked. Um, Walker, we know can do that. I haven't yet seen enough of him to know how comfortable he is as a creator of points for others, the way say Cassius Winston was in that game. If he's effective there, that could be something that could turn those five men into at the rim scores more than we had this season. Uh-huh. Cause you think back to two years ago, Xavier Tillman was actually not a very good post-up player. Michigan state really didn't have a low post game in 2019, 2020 either. But, they, but we didn't fret about it as much because they got so much done off the pick and roll, getting Tillman going to the rim. They were still getting those interior points. Mm-hmm. So there are other ways to do it. And maybe Walker's addition changes the dynamic so much that they don't feel like they need to worry about it. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think I think right now what you're what you're looking at is maybe a big man, although again, there just does not seem to be a big 
rush. You're not seeing Michigan State connected with big men that are entering the portal thus far, other than John Harar. Mm-hmm. But then the other thought I have is if, let's say, Imani Bates does not end up at Michigan State for some reason, if Imani Bates comes to Michigan State, they're covered on the wing. They'd be all set. What's the sort of the timeline for when people should be looking to see? Like, when do guys usually, like, announce the reclassifying? It's pretty late usually, isn't it? It Like, can be. It can be. If you remember back a few years ago, Marcus Bagley did it and ended up at Duke. That was early August. Yeah. Anthony Edwards was like that too, I think. Yeah. I remember because I was on a a road trip. I was in Las Vegas the day that Bagley announced – um, and it was like, I don't know, August 7th, 8th, 9th, something, somewhere in there. Um, so it could be that late. I tend to think it might not go quite that long with mm-hmm. Imani, but I'm not expecting anything before summer. Okay. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of my, my guess. Um, uh, but I'm just saying if, if for some reason Imani doesn't reclassify and they've got the space, they get one additional transfer at least um, I would not be surprising to see them try to add a veteran wing, mm-hmm. um, which was not something I thought about as a, as a legitimate need or an option compared to some other things. But the more you look at it currently, they'd be looking at a wing group of Brown and then the three freshmen. If you figure Aikens can play off the ball some, which he can, um, that's that's not a lot of wing depth. And they didn't have a lot of wing depth this year either. Um, but I don't think they want to get caught in that spot again. I think ideally Izzo would like to have at least five guys that he could count on to play minutes there. Mm. And so adding a wing, again, I don't think it would need to necessarily be a star, although that would be nice. But I think you'd want to add somebody. Like, for example, they did express some interest in Al Durham out of Indiana, that would be the kind of guy I think you could look at and say, well, if you had the room, mm-hmm. he'd be a nice addition because you can count on him defensively. He's a decent shooter. You know, he's, he's not a guy who's necessarily going to be infuriated if freshmen are taking some of his minutes, but he's also reliable enough that you could put him out there for, you know, 22 minutes, 25 minutes and feel pretty good about what you're going to get from him. Um, I, I don't think for as good as I think that freshman class is, I don't think you want to go in saying your wing group or those three guys and Gabe and that's it. Yeah. That's, I, I think you probably want, if it's a money fine. Yeah. That's another freshman, but he's on a different planet. Um, <laughs> if it's, if it's a, if it's not him, then probably you want a veteran to kind of, you know, solidify things just a little bit mm. and, and have that kind of experience to go to. But I, you know, again, I, I don't think we're going to see a mass exodus. I also don't think that we're going to see nobody else leave. I think there is going to be a little bit more movement. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say I'm at 1.5 right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think one guy for sure, and I'm 50-50 on a second guy. Mm-hmm. All right. And so then we'll see what Michigan State does. But, yeah, I think the Rocket thing was you know, a shoe that was kind of expected to drop. It wasn't a shocker that it did. Um, and, you know, it's probably – I mean, I don't know. I'll ask you. 
do, do you think that his career at Michigan State was salvageable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think if he was just strictly playing the wing, um, yeah. I mean, last year was really bad, but he he, he seems like the type of guy who, who just is not going to do well, you know, isn't very flexible with that type of thing, going from point guard to wing, point guard to wing. Like, he needs to be shooting. He, I mean, he he plays better defense when he's shooting and hitting shots. He he just looks more alive when he's shooting and hitting shots. And if that can't you, be here, then maybe he is better off somewhere else. But well, that they'll need I it. I mean, they could. They're going to need somebody on the wing. They, yeah. they are, but I think that then becomes part of the question too: is if Rock wants to play more than because keep in mind his minutes ended up getting limited more than any of us thought they would be. Yeah, this year just because he wasn't effective. So I don't, I don't have it, I don't have it in front of me how many minutes per game he averaged, but I'm guessing it wasn't a ton over twenty. Um, if that's the case, then it seems to me he wants to be a guy who plays more than that, not less. He'd like to be a 28, 30 minute a night guy. Mm. Is there any scenario at Michigan State where he is that next year? And I would tend to say no, because I have obviously everybody's got very high expectations for Max Christie. You know, he's a McDonald's All American. He's at least in high school been a great shooter, something they sorely need. Mm-hmm. Six seven. You know, you he's going to play a lot. Gabe Brown, assuming he returns as I think he will. I think if anybody got kind of shafted in minutes this year, it was probably Gabe. Yeah. Because of the way things worked out, he didn't play as much as maybe he shouldn't. He's got improvements to make, but I also think he's a guy you need to invest in going forward. And I think he could have a breakthrough senior year. I really do. So you got those two guys, but then I look at, I look at Pierre Brooks and I haven't had a chance to see him this year because other than clips, because you can't see anybody play in the flesh. But I know I I saw Pierre Brooks first game as a high school player and I saw him a bunch in AAU and I've seen him other times in high school too. So I've seen a lot of him. I know what he is. Pierre Brooks is a guy who's going to play as a freshman. He just is physically. He's ready. His game is sophisticated enough. And I think he's going to give Izzo enough of the things he wants and likes that he's going to force his way into a legitimately serious role. And then you're going to get some minutes off the ball, likely for Jade Makins. Mm-hmm. How does Rock and 25, 30 minutes fit into that? I don't know that it does. You know? Because yeah. Rock is not... If Imani Bates comes, okay. Everybody else kind of slides back a little bit and nobody's bitching. You hope, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because of the talent rock. You're not, you can't say that not based off the the season he just had. So I I think it would be kind of an awkward fit. I, I would have been supportive of it if he wanted to come back. And if, if you got the sense that, Hey, he's accepting, so Jim, Jim Comperoni had a really good piece in, in Spartan Mag today after the Rocket announcement, and he was saying it could work if Rock 
going forward with Rock at Michigan State, if he were willing to play the kind of role that somebody like Travis Walton played in the back half of his career. And if you remember, Travis still played a lot, but his role was very definitely more specialized uh-huh. than it had been earlier when he had to play because they didn't have as much talent. If you think about Travis Walton as a junior and especially as a senior, when you think about that team, who do you think about? The team in senior year that went to the national championship game. Well, think about Kalen Lucas, obviously. Yeah. You also think about Raymar Morgan and Darrell Summers and Chris Allen and, and Corey Lucius and Goran Sutan and, and even Draymond Green. Uh, Dalvon Rowe. Travis was, and Travis played a really important role for that team, but it was a different kind of role. He's not a guy that they look to to score. He's not a guy who always played, you know, 30 minutes necessarily. If Rocket would have been comfortable with being that kind of guy, a guy who maybe was slightly reduced from where he thought he'd probably be as a junior, mm. but, but was still important, I think that could work. But it didn't seem like that was important. I think he, with Rocket especially, you're talking about, in some of these situations, I think, self-perception. And even though we know he's capable of being a really good defensive player, I think he sees himself as a scorer, first and foremost. Yeah. And that's just not... I don't think at this point you could go into next season saying, yeah, we're counting on Rocket Watts to be, as we were this year, where if you asked our fan base who's going to be Michigan State's leading scorer this year, it wouldn't have been unanimous that it was Rocket, but he was one of the top three choices. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. He and Aaron Henry and Joey Hauser would have been the three going into the season. Well, you see how it worked out. So I think it's for the best for him, and I, I've said this since, since this all came up. Uh, just speaking for myself, but I do think a lot of Michigan State people feel this way. I'm going to root for him to tell it. Yeah. Uh, that kid never did anything. He never did anything to embarrass the program. He never, as far as I'm aware, created any issues in terms of chemistry. Or He was never bitching publicly about his role. When, you know, when he was losing the starting spot, he wasn't playing the minutes I think he expected to this season at times. Mm-hmm. And then I also look back at him and mention the the closing kick he had to his freshman season, especially those last four games, that mattered. They don't win the Big Ten title without him doing that. And then this year, we'll always have that memory of what he did against Michigan. Yeah. In what was his last game at the Breslin Center in a Michigan State uniform. So I think those are good memories, and there's no reason to wish him anything but success going forward as long as he's not playing against Michigan State. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that would. <laughs> All right. Well, you never know. I mean, it's a wild world out there, and and you know, with tournaments and and what have you. There's there's no guarantee that Rocket doesn't end up playing against Michigan State at some point. Mm-hmm. I, for what it's worth, I'd be kind of surprised to see him stay in the Big Ten. Yeah. Or at least we we won't have that to worry about. I don't think. But anywhere else, man, who knows? If he does end up at Louisville, what are the odds that you could see Louisville in a non-conference tournament at some point or, you know, Big Ten ACC Challenge, uh, NCAA tournament game, hey, easily could happen. Yep. But we'll hope we don't. All right. Well, 
we'll uh, keep our ears open, our eyes peeled for any more news. Uh, and if we well, get one anything... other thing, I think. Yeah, yeah one other thing I think we should talk about real quick. Uh, since we last recorded, uh, we have had a decision on the Indiana job, and boy, was it a doozy. Yeah. So I think that's that's worth talking about because there is at least a slight Michigan State angle on it too. Indiana hired Mike Woodson, who people of my generation, I'm sure, remember. Mike Woodson was a great player at Indiana. He was he was there. His middle two years with a two years magic was at Michigan State, so he was of that of that era, kind of the, that next generation. He never won a national championship at IU. It's kind of between them. He came in right after the '76 team won their title. And then he graduated a year before they won their title uh, in Isaiah's sophomore year. So he just missed out on that. But he was in an era where there were a lot of really good forwards in the Big Ten. As scores, Mike Woodson was one of the best. And had a long NBA career. And he's been an NBA coach for forever. Yeah. He was then a head coach two places, Atlanta and the Knicks. He was an assistant for one year in Detroit, actually, before he got the Atlanta head coaching job. He was there during the year that the going-to-work Pistons won their title, so he's an assistant under Larry Brown. Mm. Uh, really well-liked guy. Uh, didn't win big in his NBA head coaching jobs, but, again, did not have a great deal of talent. And winning at the NBA level, a lot of that's outside of a coach's hands. And we know that, right? You're not responsible for putting your roster together, per se. So you're kind of left with whatever material you're given. And I'm not sure what happened to him in, in Atlanta, though. I mean, he really had built that up, gotten better each year to the point where yeah. they're going somewhat deep into the playoffs. Yeah, and he's actually the only guy in the post-Jeff Mangundi era who's had any success with the Knicks. Yeah. He had one year, I think, where he won 50, somewhere, something like that. So he's he's done he's done well. I don't think anybody denies Mike Woodson understands basketball at a very very high level. There's no that would be a foolish argument to make. Where I think the issue is would be is he the right choice for the Indiana Hoosiers job? And I think that's very questionable. But they, there's an interesting twist on this. Yeah, you remember in, in our discussions, I talked about Fat Mata a lot. Mm-hmm. And they hired Tad Mata. It's just not for the head coaching job. They hired him to be an assistant AD in charge of basketball operations, I believe. To me, what that sounds like is that sounds like kind of a Phil Martelli at Michigan move. Yeah. Except Tad's not actually going to be coaching day to day. I have to believe that his primary role is to serve as a sounding board and as an advisor to Woodson about all kinds of elements that come with the college game. That's the thing. Mike Woodson's coming from a lifetime of coaching in an environment where the only thing you worry about is basketball. Mm-hmm. Basketball sometimes isn't even near the top of the priority list in the job he's got now. It's if you remember the issues, you know, Juwan Howard had some issues with learning how recruiting worked. Yeah. Early on, Patrick Ewing got into NCAA trouble for a second around that. It's it's similar here. 
And so I've got to believe that's why they brought Santa Mata in primarily is to serve as kind of a, a, a consultant of sorts mm-hmm. into how this stuff works. And of course, he's, he's already been based, he's been living in Indianapolis, apparently. I didn't realize that. So that helps. He knows the territory, so he's got connections with all the major AAU programs, the, most of the important high school coaches, you know, all of that. So that'll help. Uh, but I have to believe it's primarily as consultant. The interesting thing is, a journalist out of Louisville, but heavily, you know, Louisville, you cover Kentucky, Louisville, and Indiana if you're in the media there. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Rick Post, been around forever. He had it, God, it might have been two weeks ago, right early on, that after the Brad Stevens stuff finally faded, he said, he had an article, I remember, and I quoted it on the Spartan Mag board, that Indiana was down to two candidates, Mike Woodson and Pat Mata. Well, he ended up being kind of right about that, except and they hired both of them, which I'm sure even he didn't figure out. Um, But it's interesting. And then I guess the other element for Michigan State, well, first, before I get into the Michigan State side of this, so what do you you think about this? Uh, Are you you worried about Indiana now? You know, I wasn't too worried until I saw that they hired Thad Mata as the guy on the staff. That Now you're looking at a kind of a power duo there that's kind of scary <laughs> the combination well, I, of the two i mean I, all the worries that i would have about a guy like woodson is kind of mitigated if you've got that mata back there but, but keep in mind that mata's on the role where he can go out recruiting you know and yeah. he can be he can be a sounding board for them and he certainly has relationships he can call on even in that job He's not out there recruiting, and, and his inability to do that had a lot to do with why things went south for, for in his OSU tenure mm. at the end. We talked about that, I think, that he just was not physically up to it. The other thing, by the way, worth mentioning, I suspect that this outcome probably tells you where Thad Mata's health is. Yeah. If he's taking this job, I don't think you can feel really good about his health allowing him to go out and coach anytime soon. That would be my read of it. It could be wrong, but I don't think so. Mm. So there's that to keep in mind. But I don't know if you really think Mike Mata thing is really interesting. It, it should help. I'm just not sure how much. I still think he needs a great staff around him. I mean, I think those are the guys that are going to be out on the road doing it. Yeah. That'll do it for now. And, um, as soon as uh, we get any more news, we'll get back with you. Until then, the Final Four is not on schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.